is 92.7 mean to you, Joan Chet? 92.7 is WLIR. And... Uh, hold on, and hold on. Up. And waking up. Every morning. Travel back in time to the 80s. Reliving the laughter. <laughs> the heroes. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Go Ghostbusters. And the honesty. What's up, Norm? My nipples. It's freezing out there. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Sure, it's not 1985 right now, but who knows what tomorrow will bring. Hey, hey, welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spears. And Brad in L.A. And today we talk to one of the biggest radio legends of the 80s. It's our conversation with Larry the Duck Dunn from WLIR and Sirius XM First Wave. The program is Off the Boat, where you always hear the best new music first, only here at LIR 92.7. Good evening, I'm the Duck, brand new from Erasure, brand new 12-inch featuring Vince Clark and Andy Bell on Who Needs Love Like That? Stop. Formerly known as Kaja Guru, no more Lamal. This is Kaja, LIR 92.7 Off the Boat. Steve, Stuck in the 80s is a member of the CLNS Podcast Network. You can find our podcast on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and the CLNS Media mobile app. And get this, in addition to all that, if that's too much work, now you can just go to Google. You've heard of that, right, kids? Type in (laughs) Stuck in the 80s, and the results will include links to listen to the show. How cool is that? It's a glorious future we live in, Steve. There's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow. Shining at the end of every day. Yeah. No flying cars, but you can Google Stuck in the 80s. You can also listen to it at the CLNS Media website. You can find that at clnsmedia.com. And as always, if you love our show, share the links on social media. And don't forget to like our page on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. probably wondering why all the b-52s music this show uh well we have reasons people we have reasons reasons first the bees are headlining the 80s cruise in 2020 which is reason enough but in this episode of stuck in we're also talking to larry the duck the serious xm first wave dj and former music director of the late great long island radio station wlir larry's a huge fan and friend of fred kate and cindy of the b-52s so if we rock out a little to uh, Party Out of Bounds in private Idaho today, well, it's just a nod to Larry and his friends from Athens, Georgia. Steve, I'm a big-time first wave guy. What a surprise. And Larry the Duck is one of my favorites, so I'm really looking forward to hearing this interview. I've already learned something. I didn't know his last name was Dunn. Yeah, in fact, here's something kind of interesting. I asked him when we were done with our interview, I'm like, you know, people keep asking me, and I'm kind of curious myself, why Larry the Duck? I said, is it because... Larry Dunn, there's another Larry Dunn in the music business. He's the keyboardist for Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yeah, So that would have predated Larry Dunn, the DJ. And he said, yeah, that's part of it. The other one was it was a nod to um, Donald the Duck Dunn, Okay, uh, the famous bass player. Yeah, who appears in our favorite car chase movie. Uh, The Blues Brothers. We had a band powerful enough to turn goat piss into gasoline. 
Hey, before we jump into the interview, let me ask 80s Nation this. How often do you think about your socks? Probably not as often as you think about the 80s, or at least we hope so. But now that Bomba Socks is a sponsor of Stuck in the 80s, it's changing a little bit. I just bought another batch of Bomba Socks and wore them over the weekend, and I love them. Plus, uh, my niece and nephew were there for a family dinner, and they saw my socks with the word Bomba stitched right on top and immediately recognized them. And they wondered aloud in front of the whole family why Uncle Steve was suddenly wearing cool socks. <laughs> uh, even my mom's cat, Chloe, who hates me and generally leers at me from a distance when I visit, even she curled up in my socks later on that night. So that's all the proof you need that these are uh, cool as cat socks. Why? Why, you ask? Because they're made from a super soft, natural cotton, and every pair comes with arch support, a seamless toe, and a cushioned footbed that's comfy but not too thick. And there are so many patterns to choose from, you'll never get tired of shopping for new pairs. Plus, with every purchase you make, Bombos donates a pair of socks to someone in need. You are loyal fans of Stuck in the 80s, and so we have secured for you a special deal. Buy your Bombas at bombas.com slash 80s today and get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash 80s for 20% off. Bombas.com slash 80s. So we're back, and I wanted to give you a little bit more background on Larry the Duck. If you listen to SiriusXM like Brad and I do, and especially First Wave on Channel 33, you probably need no introduction. Larry is by far our favorite DJ on the channel. Um, He plays the music that we love. He plays Brad's Devo. But he also sprinkles in the tunes with the uh, stories about the bands, the bands he's met, the ones he's interviewed, even to sometimes the ones that live down uh, the street from him on Long Island. But here's the really cool (laughs) thing. Back in the 80s, he was an on-air voice and the music director of WLIR, which was the famous radio station in Long Island that introduced so many English bands to America. Bands like, oh, I don't know, U2, Depeche Mode, Adam and the Ants, and about 700 other ones. Uh, WLIR was, if you lived on the East Coast, Brad will say, right, Brad? <laughs> yes, that's what I will say. If you're on the East Coast, WLIR was the radio station to listen to, if you could get it. It wasn't a really high power station. It covered all of New York and the tri-state area, but if you were outside that area, it was really hard to pick up. And you know the the radio station burned hot and burned fast. It had a short history, and its early demise in 1987 is the subject of a documentary called "New Wave: Dare to Be Different," and that is currently available if you want to watch it on Showtime, Showtime or Demand, or you can be like Steve and buy some physical media and pick up a copy of the DVD on Amazon.com. You mock me for the physical DVD, but I'm bringing it on the cruise so Larry can sign it. So here's the really cool thing. Larry the Duck will be on the 2020 Voyage of the 80s Cruise, along with myself, Brad, 17 bands. And here's a news scoop for you. Another Sirius XM radio host, Lori Majewski, she'll be on the ship, just announced. Nice. Uh, you probably know her from the all-music talk show channel, Volume. If you don't know her from that, you should have read her 2014 book, Mad World, an oral history of new wave artists and songs that define the 80s. Brad, you have this book, don't you? Oh, I love this book. I love it. It's very easily digested in little chunks, but it's great. It's a really fun read. It's one of those books where um, she, I think it's about 35 interviews with bands from the 80s. And every time I'm going to try to interview somebody that's in the book, I go back and I reread the chapter where she's already asked them questions just so I can kind of get a tone for what this person's going to be like as a guest. Anyway, she'll be on a future episode of Stuck in the 80s. Here's another news scoop for you for those going on the cruise. Larry the Duck will be one of our special guests for Big 80s Trivia on the ship. And 
he'll be a judge for the costume contest on one of the theme nights. The theme nights aren't going to be revealed just yet. But Spiracy and I will be judging you. <laughs> you can put the pieces together in your head. <laughs> and Lori. Oh, nice. Lori will be there, too, as a judge. Don't let all this cruise talk deter you from listening to the interview. Larry and I are going to talk about a lot of stuff that is not cruise-related. Uh, we'll talk about what bands first caught his attention in the uh, late 70s and early 80s, what comebacks he's noticed over the last few years, um, and even the whole kind of like weird battle over the term 80s music versus new wave music. And when the interview's over, we'll have seggies as usual. But in the meantime, please enjoy this amazing conversation with Larry the Duck Dunn. So I can't believe I'm about to say these words. Larry the Duck is on the podcast with me. Well, I'm honored to be with you, Steve. Thank you for having me. We're talking today because you're obviously you're coming on the 80s cruise in 2020 that the news was just announced. Uh, what have you heard about the cruise so far? What do you know about the cruise so far? Well, I've heard about the cruise and I'm thrilled to be on it. I'm thrilled to be hosting along with uh, Nina and Alan and Mark. And I just found out, too, that Lori Majewski will be joining us as host as well. It's funny. I was in a theater, a movie theater on Long Island, when the Cure documentary was shown worldwide. And I was talking, this is funny, I was talking to the crowd about what they were about to see and how the film was filmed originally in Hyde Park in London in July of last year. And there were two seats in front of me, and this woman, who was kind of half drunk, came in and she goes, Larry, are you going on the <laughs> 80s cruise? And I'm talking, like, and I go, yeah. And I, st and I told the 80s cruise folks, I said, I started talking about the 80s cruise. Meanwhile, we're about to show the Cure film. And she kept persisting. Are you going on the 80s cruise? I go every single year. I said, well, I guess I'm going to see you at the bar, <laughs> you know, and then her husband <laughs> made her sit down. But it's funny, you know, how people have gone on this cruise every year, I guess, for the past four or five years since the beginning. And I've heard wonderful things about it. And the fact that you kind of landlocked with a lot of the bands as well is, is a lot of fun. So I'm really looking forward to it. And especially my wife is looking forward to it as well. Yeah. Have, have you been on a cruise before? Any like a regular cruise? Yeah, I've been on a regular cruise. I, I think what, what it feels like, you live like a king and a queen, right? But you got 3,200 of your best friends on the boat. And there's a lot of camaraderie. And I know people listen to me on Sirius XM. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of questions and you know, and photographs and things like that. And I've spoken to Mark about it because he's done it before. And he says it's a total blast. You know, you'll have a great time, you know, mingling with the bands, the artists, the fans, and the, just the people in general. You know, I mean, we're just people just like everybody else. You know, we have no ego in this. So we're just looking forward to spending time with people. Uh, my my co-host Brad and I host all the trivia sessions on the on the ship since the very first cruise. And I've heard from ECP, which is the company that produces the cruises, that you're going to be our special guest for one of the trivia sessions. Oh, that's great. I love trivia. Yeah, I love trivia. You'll be up on stage with us, and you can sort of – you can either play along if you want. I, I doubt we could stump you on anything, but uh, I, I'm sure the crowd there will have questions for you too. And so that's going to be a really – that's going to be a blast. So the fun thing about doing trivia is I can tell the stories you know, behind the scenes that people may not be aware of. And I remember once introducing Squeeze in concert – and then going backstage after the show, say, hey, guys, great show. And there's Chris Difford and Glenn Tilbrook crying. And I'm like, this is awkward. You know, and what they had just decided was to break up the band. And I'm like, I couldn't have been more awkward walking into that, you know. So, you know, it's the fun facts, but it's the trivia. And it's kind of the story behind the story. It gives it a little flavor. You know what I mean, Steve? 
Oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. We, that's what we're counting on. We're counting on you to to regale us with stories from uh, from yesteryear. Some of the bands that you probably got to know pretty well during your WLRI days will be there. Um, B fifty twos, Berlin, Katrina from Katrina and the Waves, uh, Tony Hadley from Spano Ballet. Is there anyone in particular you're looking forward to seeing perform or or getting a chance to chat with again? Well, you know, I've always been friends with the B-52s. You know, unfortunately, Keith is no longer with the band. I mean, from a live perspective, he's still a full-time member of the band if they go in the studio. So I miss Keith because he was the original drummer, you know, and then, um, you know, then he became the car, uh, the guitarist when Ricky Wilson died, sadly, of AIDS. Um, so I'm looking forward to spending time with him because I love Fred and Kate and Cindy, and they're so down to earth. And, you know, Fred actually lives in Chelsea, you know, here in New York City. And uh, I used to go into, I guess it was a D'Agostino supermarket, and he thought I was stalking him. And I'm like, Fred, it's me. It's Larry. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, you know, it's stuff like that. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to spending time with the bees. Terry Nunn, of course. And, uh, you know, I've never really got to know Tony Hadley from Spandau Ballet. And I did see them on tour with Spandau Ballet. It was like their first tour of America in like 33 years. And his voice was so spot on. The band was great. They play this venue called Westbury Music Fair on Long Island. So I'm looking forward to actually connecting with those I never really connected with. Like I had met Tony once, but I don't know Tony. You know, so getting to know the artists on the boat, I think, is a real joy for me. Yeah, some of them really embrace it. Terry Nunn from Berlin is almost pretty much like the the informal host nowadays. She's This will be, I think, her fourth 80s cruise. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. And I know her husband is a very nice guy. I met him backstage at the Microsoft Theater in Los Angeles. They do um, an 80s weekend show twice a year. It's like the end of January, the end of July. And I got to meet him. So spending time with him and, and Terry will be fun. The thing is, when I was the music director of WIR in New York, I got to know the bands a lot more intimately than actually being one of the DJs as well and also interacting with the, the record labels. So I've got 40 years of stories really under my belt because um, I just celebrated my 40th anniversary of my first radio show on LIR 92.7 FM, which is a station that doesn't exist anymore. It was June 1st, 1979 was my first show. And if you ever want to see the history of LIR, there's um, a movie that we did. It took seven years. It's more of a documentary, but it's called New Wave Dare to be Different. It's on Showtime and it's on Showtime on Demand till March of next year if you want to pull it down. I, I actually and own it on DVD, and I've watched it many times. Oh, wow. Thank you. So you you saw the 16 minutes of the unseen footage, and then you got to see when I started to choke up and almost cried. That was the last take that I did in Los Angeles. Oh, wow. In fact, when I choked up because it was like seven years of making this film, and then just the emotion and, and just the fact that I always said, you know, the problem with LIR – and what happened was it was a homicide and a suicide. The homicide was the FCC killed us. And the suicide was we couldn't continue it more than three years after it finished, when it became WDRE. And what you don't see is I start to choke up and she edits it. I turned to Ellen Gottlieb, the director, and I said, Ellen, I can't do this anymore. I'm just completely spent emotionally. And that was it. So I'm happy she actually left that in the unseen footage. Um, but I appreciate the fact that you've watched this a few times over. I, the first time I saw it, which was at the Tribeca Film Festival, when they were shopping the film, this was about three years ago, it like hit me like a brick. But it was when I saw it the second time on the IMAX theater, I was like, whoa. And the moment I went, whoa, was when they went right into New Gold Dream from Simple Minds. And that was kind of the rush to me where all the emotions came back. 
Yeah. We we have been lobbying uh, uh the the long-time cruisers of the 80s cruise have been lobbying uh, the 80s cruise to to have a screening of the movie on the ship in 2020 because you're there and because so many of the bands that were featured in the movie have either have either, have played the 80s cruise over the years or will play it in the future. I mean that that movie to us is you know a very important uh, document of of a great time. Oh, thank you. You know what? If they could show the DVD, I'll bring my own DVD. I'd, I'd love to host a, a screening or two or three of the of the uh, movie itself and kind of give the background. And, you know, people ask me after the movie, you know, why didn't you continue the story going into WDRE? And I said, well, that was a whole different phase. You know, that was different ownership, different management. It wasn't the same as LIR, though we tried to make it the same as LIR, but it just became too homogenized and, and change was coming and Dennis left. And then I left, and then it was just over after that point. But I would love to have the film shown on the boat if they can do that. They got a movie theater on the boat, don't they? Yeah, yeah, they they have movie screenings every night. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna continue to lobby because uh, people people who have seen it absolutely love it, and we keep trying to spread the word about it because we want everyone to see it. It's it's just it's such an important story to tell. Well, do you want me to send an email to the powers that be because I, <laughs> I can push that button pretty damn quick? Yeah, sure. We, I'd love that. Um, yeah. It's funny. I was just in Long Island earlier this month for the first time ever in my life. Uh, oh, my girlfriend has family in Long Island, and we were visiting them. and And she will tell you that the trip for me was like a holy pilgrimage. Like I knew about you know Long Island's place in new wave history, and you know we're on the the train to Ronkonkoma, you know, which I still can't say correctly. <laughs> Ronkonkoma, <laughs> Ronkonkoma, and um. I was just, it was just like, uh, you know, like a trip to the Holy Land. And, you know, we, 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 yeah. we didn't get all the way in. I think we stopped at Deer Park. But I was just so taken by the fact that I finally got to this place where so much of this stuff happened. So, Well, thank you. And so I was born in Brooklyn and I lived on Long Island my whole life. All I know is Long Island and Manhattan and Brooklyn where I was born. But you realize how long it is, right? It's 120 miles long oh, yeah. from the East River to Montauk Point. It was 40 miles wide. And I used to say to people, well, people, when I was a music director, I'd have like people in Iowa saying, oh, you live on Long Island. I'm like, dude, we're the 12th biggest market in the country. You know, Nassau and <laughs> Suffolk alone, those two counties. If you take Queens and Brooklyn out of it, which is Kings County, Nassau and Suffolk County has 3.2 million people. How many people do you got? <laughs> you know, and then you put it in the five boroughs and then, you know, Connecticut, New Jersey, because we were tri-state, you know, because the antenna was actually based in Queens during those days. So, you know, we were early on the punk scene. You know, in 79, though, we were still mixing rock with New Wave. And, you know, we were playing television and the Ramones and Elvis Costello and the Police and Blondie. But we were also still mixing in, you know, Journey and some of the other bands. And then we just went full throttle as the new music station. It was important to note that we wanted to be the new music station, not the new wave station. The new music station because we just wanted to break artists. And as music director, you know, what we did, and I kind of told the story in the movie, there was a record store in London called Rough Trade. And what they would do is every Thursday, they would send me a box of imports and it would go Heathrow to JFK. And it was same day. And I'd have my staff meet the box. They'd bring the box to me. I took the box home at night. And then I would start previewing it for when I had my music meeting with Dennis McNamara, who's the program director. And then I would do an import show Sunday night called Off the Boat. Well, what happened was one of the 12 inches had a white label, wasn't even signed, and it was in a magic marker handwriting. It said M-A-R-R-S, and it was pump up the volume. And I called Dennis, and I used to spend Saturday night at the Malibu nightclub in Lido Beach, 
No bathroom break, no commercial, 9 p.m. to 2 a.m. <laughs> live in the club, no delay, live in, on the air. And I said, Dennis, I got to pound this on the air. And it was like testing it for the floor. It was like a focus group. And the place went nuts. And then I played it on Off the Boat the next night. And we knew it was called Pump Up the Volume because the lyric just kept saying Pump Up the Volume. It didn't even say what the, lyric, what the name of the song was. It just said the name of the artist, M-A-R-R-S. And then we started pounding the hell out of it. And then the other radio stations, which is illegal, you're not supposed to copy or rebroadcast someone else's signal, but they would try. So we dropped the call letters into the song so no one could copy the song. So <laughs> it was kind of that innovation of doing A&R and radio and breaking artists, you know, before they even became anything. And that's what we were known. I mean, there were, and there were a handful of us in the country. It was us. It was KROQ in Los Angeles, 91X in San Diego, CFNY in Toronto, XRT in Chicago, um, FNX in Boston, and um, the one down in Annapolis, Maryland. I, I guess we were kind of like the Mag Magnificent Seven. Oh, and Live yeah. 105 in San Francisco. Because uh, Steve Masters is still a friend of mine. He was, he's been there forever. <laughs> he was a music director when I was a music director of LIR. And it was kind of like we were a club, you know, because we were exclusive. And the radio stations on the college campuses were breaking stuff too, but not to the extent that we were. Yeah. And this box that we got every Thursday afternoon from Heathrow was gold. You know, that was our gold. And also we had an importer on Long Island and Rockville Center called Dutch East Trading. So between those two properties, we actually got our hands on a lot of great imports. There's there's a tagline at the end of the movie that I paused on and, and, and tried to write it down as fast as I could. And it, it basically said during uh, LIR's era, nearly 700 new artists were first heard in the U.S. on WLIR and at U.S. sales for these artists total over 500 million records. Yep, that's true. I mean, that, that was something that Ellen really researched hard. We wanted to make sure we got the number right. I think that's a conservative number off the record. Ah, on the record. I'm on the record. I'm on the, I'm on a podcast with Steve. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Nothing's off the record here. No, but on the record, we, we certainly thought that we were groundbreaking. We were innovators. We were not copying people at all. And, you know, it was like being the A&R guy at a record label, though we were working many labels. And it wasn't just England. You know, there was Germany. There was, you know, Camouflage and Nana and the bands that were coming over from, you know, Europe. And it just was a fun, fun time. And, that when I look back at it in the movie, I, I sound like a chipmunk in the 80s. I, I kind of <laughs> cringe when I hear my voice. And I was going through two years of speech therapy at that time because um, I had that dreaded Long Island accent. So I was trying to get a more regional you know, sound. And now being on Sirius XM, it's more national, but I'm the only New Yorker on the channel because everyone's from you know, L.A., you know, Richard and Eagle and Doug and uh, you know, Matt Sebastian. He's in Denver. So, you know, I... I'm kind of the New Yorker on the channel that, you know, five days a week kind of spills my guts and tells the stories on the air the way you're doing it right now, Steve. Yeah, that's that's why we love the show. Um, so many bands you must have heard. Do you remember the first few bands that like really turned your head from England? I mean, the ones where you're just like, this is something I've never heard before. You know, it's interesting. I think everyone will point back to Kraftwerk. It's interesting when you two on the Innocence and Experience tour, if you remember, there was one scene where Bono shows his bedroom growing up in Dublin, and mm -hmm. he's got a Kraftwerk poster on the wall. And this is, you know, in, in Madison Square Garden where I saw the show. And then you look at Depeche Mode, and they point back to Kraftwerk. I think it's funny because Kraftwerk was actually nominated for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame about three years ago. Obviously, it didn't get in. But I think you think of Kraftwerk, you think of U2, 
you think of the Pet Shop Boys, like the first time I heard West End Girls, I was like, holy crap. Like I could, like even today, I still can get those chills up and down my spine. And the original version that came out in 84 really didn't go anywhere, though we pounded the hell out of it. I know K-Rock in LA pounded the hell out of it. It was only when they re-recorded it and released it in 1986 that it went to number one in America. So uh, it's interesting when you think back to the bands that really, you know, pushed my buttons. You know, that's probably one of them. You know, like Trans X from Canada was one of them. New Order, obviously, and Joy Division. First time I heard Blue Monday, which I know they tested in a club in New York. And I, I don't remember if it was the Fun House. Peter Hook told me which one it was. This is where I get a senior moment where I can't remember. <laughs> but there are certain songs, you know, that I remember just kind of went, you just go, wow, what was that? You know? And then, you know, a lot of the indie stuff, too. You know, there's, there's things like the Blue Nile. Tinseltown the Rain, what a great band from Scotland. You know, that I did my top 40, which, you know, I'll share with you um, when I'm on the boat, but I actually shared my top 40 songs of all time in no particular order because I didn't want to go like 40, 39. And I did 40 for 40. I did 40 songs for my 40th. And that was one of my 40. And, and I think that's a song. If, if you can go to YouTube and pull down the Scottish band, the Blue Nile, Tinseltown the Rain, or Prefab Sprout, Appetite. You know, there are like these little nuggets because it wasn't just the bands. It was a song mentality, right? Because people sure. get into songs. You know, we're, we live and breathe the bands, but it's just those musical moments that are magical. Sorry for the alliteration, but it, that's really what it is, right? You just hear this and it just grabs you right away. And it's funny, you know, in the, in the old, older days of LIR, before we changed the format, one of my toughest interviews was uh, Frank Zappa. Who just, if you didn't like the question, was just, yes, no, no, <laughs> yes, you know. But I remember talking to Flo and Eddie because they were with Zappa for a while. And then I guess Zappa, I don't know, kicked him out of the band because he had all these rules about not drinking and not smoking. And he said on the air with me that, uh, you know, some, some of the artists think I don't pay attention. I know exactly what's going on. So I asked Flo and Eddie about the whole, you know, the hook mentality of a hit, because, you know, being the Turtles, they were like the masters of it. They said, if you don't hear the hook in the first 20 seconds, it's not a hit. But I think that theory went out the window, you know, because it took a long time for Depeche Mode to kind of ramp up on Black Celebration before you got to the hook, right? Yeah, so you exactly. had to be patient with it. You had to be very patient with it. And there was no formula to it, right? So the rules were there were no rules. And we played everything. We played everything from reggae to goth to dance, to, you know, smithereens. I mean, you know, we just went around the block where it didn't matter what genre was, ska, specials, you know, I mean, just, it was just a great song is a great song is a great song. And that's really what it came down to. And, um, and we broke bands because of it, because they put out these wonderful nuggets. You know, even a flock of seagulls when they broke in 1982, you know, people would say to Mike Score, well, how do you actually do that song? He goes, well, it's easy, like in the movie, right? I stopped playing, you know, the synth. He starts playing the guitar. When he stops playing the guitar, I play the synth. And But it was such a unique sound, right? People were trying to figure it out from an artist's point of view. The term 80s music sometimes gets interchanged with the term new wave um, since, you know, new wave kind of coincides, you know, roughly with the start of the 80s. But but some bands really hate being called like an 80s band or having an 80s sound. Do you do you think the eighties? Do you think the term eighties music is negative in some way, and does it unintentionally date the bands? Or like, what's your take on it? Well, it's a great question because yes, there are bands, for example, at SiriusXM, that want to come up and they want to be on like Alt Nation because they don't want to be viewed as an eighties band anymore. They want to you know break new music and, and think they've gone and evolved beyond the eighties. 
But the 80s cruise, I think, is indicative of it because people know that period. And the 80s spilled a little into the early 90s, too, right? Because you had like Jesus Jones and, you know, right here, right now. So there was there were things that was and even Green Day. If you think about it, they started sure. in 89 and, you know, they were influenced by the jam and Gang of Four and the Buzzcocks. Right. So and another power trio. And they a lot of these bands actually could point back to the who, you know, and say they were influenced. You know, think about it. Bass, drums, guitar, vocal. How simple and how powerful, right? So, sure. yeah, I think that the 80s kind of gets pigeonholed, but look how cyclical it's, it's become. I mean, you have people that grew up in the 80s that love this music, and look what happened. Their kids are into it. I mean, I introduced, I guess, the Retro Futura Tour a couple of years ago at Westbury Music Fair, and, it, you know, they had Bow Wow Wow and, you know, all these bands. There's like five bands and Howard Jones and the Thompson, you know, Tom Belly from the Thompson Twins. And the kid is 16 years old with his parents. He's wearing a Morrissey T-shirt. He goes, oh, yeah, I'm going to Manchester. I'm going to see Morrissey in concert next week. And I'm thinking they got influenced. So the 80s kind of recycled a new generation because they got influenced by it. You wouldn't believe how many people that I see bring their kids to it. And they're just full throttle on the 80s. So I don't think pigeonholing the 80s is a bad thing. I think it just goes back to a time that we can relate to. It was a powerful decade. You know, the mid-70s really defined it, you know, with the Sex Pistols and the Ramones forming in 75 and 76 and the punk revolution. And so you can you can say there was kind of like this, I guess, 20-year swing from 75 to 95. Or if you want to throw Bowie into it, maybe it's early 70s to early 90s. And the 80s is smack dab in the middle of it, right? So you, that's the sweet spot. So I have no problem with referring back to the 80s because it just was... My most magical time in radio, I have to say. Yeah, I, when when I've talked to bands from the eighties, especially the, the the British bands, the, the the British new wave artists, and I asked them to you know tell me about the moment that you decided that music was for you. I, I always they always say you know Roxy Music, David Bowie, you know, or I was at a Sex Pistols show. Like, <laughs> I mean, I mean, the odds that every British musician I've ever talked to was at a Sex Pistols show seem pretty remote. But it's the same names. I mean, you could almost argue that that that, that sound starts in like seventy two and goes all the way to to ninety five. Right, exactly. And you know what's so? Here's the story, and this is what you didn't see on HBO, but what you did see on HBO back in May when they broadcast the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame when they edited it down. If you remember, I guess it was Simon and John from Duran Duran are inducting Roxy Music, and the quote that Simon says is, if it wasn't for Roxy Music, there would have been no Duran Duran. And then he says, if it wasn't for radio stations like WLIR that played Roxy Music and Duran Duran, we wouldn't be where we are today. They cut the LIR part out. I have a theory about why they did it, because <laughs> HBO and Showtime really don't like each other very much, and the fact the film is on Showtime. I mean, they had a cut, but that was like seven seconds they cut, and LIR was mentioned in the speech, which I thought was very moving. Yeah. I have a tape of it, but it just never made it to the network. That's incredibly petty on uh, HBO's part. Well, you know, and I like the guys at HBO. I mean, now they've had a lot of change since the merger, but the thing is that our movie is on Showtime, and I, I'm saying this publicly, which I've never said before, but I, I just wonder, and I'm suspicious, why they would have taken that out, you know, because it's part of an induction speech. If anything, an induction speech should be in its totality. It shouldn't be edited unless someone's rambling or whatever, because it was a powerful moment and we lost that moment on the network. But we do have it on tape. So we do have 
you know, John and Simon crediting LIR, but he did say if it wasn't for Roxy Music, and we think about Roxy Music started in 1970, you know, there would have been no Duran Duran. So I think that's one generation passing to another as well. You mentioned Tom Bailey earlier um, and the Retrofit Tour tour. I, I was I saw that that show and it was amazing. Uh, you know, he comes back after twenty years of being away and just picks it up like he never left anything behind. I'm curious, what other bands have made comebacks lately that have surprised you? You know, it's funny. I I introduced a couple of weeks ago at the Ford Amphitheater in Brooklyn the Lost Eighties Live, which is really a collection. It's a flock of seagulls, the vapors. Um, Boys Don't Cry, which is really Nick Richards. Um, I was actually surprised that the Vapors were as good as they were. Um, and what had happened was, this was interesting. So there was a guy in New York, apparently two years ago, he went to London, he sees the Vapors. He goes backstage, he says, I got to get you guys to New York. And they, the band's like, it's really expensive you know, to tour and travel and blah, blah, blah. So the guy starts to go fund me. He raises 30 grand. He's such a freak about the band. He, he raises 30 grand. So last October, they played two nights at the Mercury Lounge in Manhattan. They did two shows a night. They did four shows. So I'm talking to the band about this backstage before. They go, oh, yeah, the guy is here. He's in the front row. I'm like, dude's in the front row. Dude's getting a shout out. I said, give me his name. Now I can't remember his name. So as I'm introducing the band, I'm telling the story. And I said, the guy is sitting right here in the front row. And I see the guy's camera like instantly goes in my head. Like he's recording this for posterity. And I pointed him out. I said, if it wasn't for this guy, we couldn't have had this band here tonight. And the place went crazy for this guy. And that's kind of the joy, you know, when you get to mingle with the bands and they tell you these little trivia things. Even, um, I guess, with Wang Chung, you know, last year when I did the show at the Ford Amphitheater with Dance Hall Days, we were talking about how the album was recorded and how the song was recorded. And, and the bass player said to me, he says, funny you mentioning this to me because we recorded, you know, in London at Abbey Road Studios, where the Beatles played. And he's a left-handed bass player. And he left his bass back in the hotel somewhere. So Paul McCartney personally brought his left-handed bass to the studio and lent it to him. So that's Paul McCartney's bass on Dance Hall oh, Days. No. I guess I'm feeding into the whole trivia thing here, Steve, right? <laughs> You're killing it. <laughs> I'm curious to ask this question. Uh, obviously, the 80s cruise brings together the bands that my particular generation loved during our formative years. You know, when we first fell in love with music, if if there was a Larry the Duck cruise, which bands would you pick <laughs> to play it? And they can be bands that are either still together or bands long gone. But you you can pick five bands to uh, headline the Larry the Duck cruise. Wow, only five, right, Steve? You, you can pick as many as you want. I mean, this I think the eighties cruise in twenty twenty has like seventeen bands on it, so you can go as deep as you want. Well, look, I'd love to have the Ramones, but God, I miss Johnny, Joey, and Dee Dee and Tommy. Still got Marky. I'll tell you what, if I had to pick five, it was the Larry the Duck Cruise, I'd pick U2, Depeche Mode, Duran Duran, The Police, and because they're good friends, Fred, Cindy, and Kate, the B-52s. That, that's a great lineup. The uh, The approximate cost per cabin will be $2 million. <laughs> 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 or would they just get on the boat in San Juan and then get off the boat in San Juan, right? <laughs> I might drop it down to a million and a half. Yeah, that would be the ultimate cruise. But, you know, I mean, you can always wish. You can only hope. Yeah, we can always dream. Thanks, Larry. This has been a blast. Can't wait to see you on the cruise. <laughs> this has been great, Steve. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. 
there you have it. Larry the Duck Dunn. What do you think, Brad? Quack, quack, Mr. Spears. Quack, quack. No, I <laughs> yeah. like that. That's good. He's an interesting guy. It's fun to hear him talk about you know, just other stuff because you get you know the 30 seconds in between songs on... Uh, on XM, it's kind of hard to build a, you know, you kind of build a model of what you think this person's like. And then when you hear him talk, you're like, oh yeah, okay. Seems like a pretty nice guy. Uh, it's going to be fun to hang out with him. Two things we're going to ask him about when we have him for Big 80s Trivia that I didn't cover in this interview intentionally because I wanted to leave it. Uh, one is I want, I want to, we want to probe his mind about how he feels about the Rock Hall of Fame because he mentions it during the interview. But I, and I was going to follow up with it, but I'm like, no, I'm going to save it for the, uh, let Brad take that. For the question. cruise, you know how Brad feels about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I feel the same way. I feel the same way. And I didn't ask him the podcast um, time machine question. I say, I'm gonna, we're going to save that for in person. Excellent, excellent. So we'll see. We'll see how he does. We also need to get that list of forty songs out of him. That's a really great idea. I'd love to have that as a slide for uh, trivia. So we'll see how that goes. Stuck in the 80s is proud to say Away Travel is back as a sponsor of our podcast. Both Brad and I are happy and loyal customers of Away Travel. Why? Why, you ask? Because Away Travel designed their luggage the smart way. They listened to the travelers and they discovered what they wanted. That means Away Travel uses high-quality materials, including super strong but also super lightweight German polycarbonate in their bags. They have TSA-approved combination locks built into the top. And they have those lovely removable washable laundry bags that keep dirty clothes away from the clean clothes. And Brad, you know the best feature of all. You tell them. Steve, I know that you're thinking I'm going to say it's the ability to transport Tron costumes, but that's not it. The number one feature is the USB charger that's built into the Away Travel carry-on. Powers my cell phone, my tablet, whatever I need to charge. And a single charge to my carry-on will recharge my phone five times. I seriously don't travel without my Away carry-on. With Away, you can choose from nine colors and four sizes, the carry-on, the bigger carry-on, the medium, or the large for extended stays. Each one has a lifetime warranty. If anything breaks, Away Travel will fix it or replace it for you for life. You're still not convinced? Away has a 100-day trial. Live with your bag, vibe with it, travel with it, Instagram it. If at any point you decide it's not for you, you just return it for a full refund. No questions asked. And shipping in the lower 48 states is free. Hey, we got a deal for you. For $20 off a suitcase, visit awaytravel.com slash radical and use the promo code radical during checkout. That's awaytravel.com slash radical, the promo code radical, and you save $20 off a great suitcase. And we're back. And you know what I'd like to travel to next? The, the seggies. What's happening, hot stuff? Ah, uh, by the sound of the gong, it must be time for mystery movie moment. You know the drill by now. I swear to God, I can hear this whole spiel in my head at night. It's this and the Wah Wah Hoagie Fest theme song. They compete for time in my head. <laughs> so there you go. You poor, Two poor man. It's Wah Wah Hoagie Fest. It's Wah Wah Hoagie Fest. Anyway, we will play a snippet of a movie from the 80s. If you get it right, you're entered into the drawing for some swag. Uh, pay attention. Here is the clip from a couple shows ago. What's the plan? <laughs> I drowned and you told me back to the rig. No, no. That's the abyss. Just sneaks into the 80s, doesn't it? I think 1989. Yeah, it does. It does. I haven't seen this in so long. There's two versions of it. Yeah. There's a, there's a, a longer version that shows there's like a tidal wave that's going to destroy humanity, but the aliens hold off on it. Uh, spoiler alert. 
<laughs> this just in <laughs> because because they work things out with the humans. Because I remember seeing it one time recently on cable or something, and I'm like, wait a minute, this is this whole thing never happened in the original movie. Two very different versions out there. So by all means, spend all your free time tracking them down and <laughs> chasing this random piece oh, of James trivia. Oh, James Cameron, you, you scamp you. Yes. Well, do you want to know why I picked this movie this week, Steve? Yeah, please. So I used to work with this guy who's a real dick. And he used to tell us all about how he worked on the abyss. Well, one day at lunch, finally it came out that James Cameron personally threw him off of the movie. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> So I've always had a soft spot for this movie in my heart. Love you, Obis. Brad, read the winners. With relish, Mr. Spears. Winners this week include Brock in North Dakota, Tom Corn in Austria, Kevin Wench, Dr. Jean-Marc Bovy, Peter Ryan, Christian in Duluth, Dr. Dim, Chip in Maryland, DJ in Clinton, Jeremy in St. Pete, Florida, Mr. Whiskey, Dan the Russian Water Noodle in McDonough. I don't know what that means, but okay. Vince in PA, Phil from Adelaide, and... William Riles. Pay attention. Here's this week's mystery clip. I'll bet I can spook you. No way. I'm pregnant. I'm spooked. If you know it, email us at podcast at sit80s.com and tune in soon to find out if you're a winner. Ah, <laughs> uh, the mystical friend that is named that 80s tune. I'm going to speed up here a little bit. Because I hear people listen to our show and fast forward just to get through the seggies. <gasps> it seems kind of uh, pointless. Oh, people. You know, someone did it a while ago. Do you, do you just, when you get a sandwich, do you just leave the pickle sitting there? You don't enjoy the pickle with the sandwich? It's all part of the melange that is the show. Now I re- thanks. Now I really want a pickle. Okay. Uh, you know the drill. We will play a snippet of a song from the 80s if you get it right. Fame, fortune, and swag await you. One of those three anyway. Pay attention. Here's this week's mystery clip. That's Love Is All Right Tonight by Rick Springfield, who just turned 70 years old. Love is all right tonight. We're gonna be all right. Love is all right. Love is all right tonight. That man is 70 years old? What the actual f***? <laughs> he looks great. I mean, I don't have to say that. I mean... Uh, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Do you think he's had a little I work done? I haven't that good since I was 17. I mean, he's definitely no, dying his he's hair. Just, he's uh, dying his hair for sure. Yeah, nobody at 70 years old has um, natural colored hair anymore, except for me. You know who picked that song for us? Alexi Lawless chose that. You'd think he would pick a metal song, but he picked Rick Springfield. He did. Go figure. Uh, it's got a great riff in it, though. People are loving the Alexi Lawless show. If you missed it, it was the last episode where we did uh, albums turning 30. And I got emails and texts from people who I thought had long ago stopped listening to the show. And they're like, just listen to the Alexi Lawless show. Loved it. Stuff like that. You know, make him a regular co-host. Fire Brad. All that kind of <laughs> stuff. It was just amazing, the feedback we got. I told Alexi that was going to happen. I'm like, look, there's going to be a petition to have you replace me. It's going to be starting any day now. It's okay. <laughs> well, I will appreciate all the negative attention we'll get on social media. <laughs> so, 
We've got some winners here. Why don't you read some? Steve, here we go. Winners this week include Crispy Critter, Joe the Wanderer, Steve Paulson, Ranger Steve, Kevin Torquench, Lito in Porter Ranch, Marie Mueller, Andrea Crava, Buckeye Girl, Dave Dirt, and Spraggle Rock, who writes, This title always makes my eye twitch. Why doesn't he just go ahead and also misspell all right? Or just spell both words correctly? I forgive him, though. Does that make any sense to you, Steve? Wow. Yeah, I love it. Okay. It makes sense well, to you and yeah. me, and that's all that matters. That's right. Try and keep up. Maybe listeners. Alexi, Watch too. for the changes and try to catch up. <laughs> okay, Brad, spin the wheel of fame. Let's find out who gets some swag. <laughs> oh. Well, I can turn 70 if you keep doing that. And it's going to wind up on Christian and Duluth. You are this week's winner. So send us your postal address. And uh, we will get you some swag. The, the, the Hollow Notes t-shirt has been spoken for, I believe, now. It is off the that, table. That is true. That is true. That Correct. happened in the background. Yes, it happened this week sometime. Yeah. Whenever this week is in the magic world of podcasting, yeah. for those listening I to know. it, 20 years after our death. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, it just got dark in here. That's great. It's like the time castle of our own deaths. Wow. <sighs> oh, man. <laughs> Don't feel like in any rush to finish the show now, do you? No, I really don't. Ah, I'm not in any hurry. It feels at good all. to be dark again. It feels good. Ah, it feels like a warm coat I can put on. Okay, pay attention. Here's this week's mystery clip. If you know it, email us at podcast at sitds.com and tune in in a couple of weeks to find out if you are a winner. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Tonight, a CBS special, The Wizard of Oz. The Dukes of Hazard will not be presented this evening, but will return next week in its regularly scheduled time period. Next, The Wizard of Oz, sponsored by The Campbell Soup Company, for over a century making products that are good for America. Tonight's sponsoring brands are Campbell's Condensed Soups, Mrs. Paul's Fish Products, and Prego Spaghetti Sauce. Soup is a harvest of nerves. How did you get so wet? I'm not very wet. Not very wet. Go ahead and eat your soup while it's nice and hot. It's your favorite Campbell's tomato. You eat all that soup and maybe you'll be okay. You're more likely to get sick when your resistance is down. A balanced diet that includes nutritious foods like Campbell's soup can help keep your resistance up. Mom. Mm-hmm. Do you still love me anymore? Oh. <laughs> soup is good food. And we're back. We have just a few minutes left. And because we did talk about Larry the Duck and Lori Majewski and the 80s Cruise, let us give you one last, please just allow us 90 seconds to get, to give you the details again on the cruise, if, especially for those who are just now hearing about it. The 80s Cruise, this will be the fifth voyage of it. It departs on March 8th, 2020 from Miami, Florida on Royal Caribbean's Explorer of the Seas, which is an amazing ship. I've been on it before. It will be a seven-night cruise with stops in San Juan, St. Thomas, Punta Cana, and Labadee, which is a private island for um, Royal Caribbean. But Brad, who has a much better lung capacity than me, will actually read the names of 17 bands that will be on the ship with us. Are you ready, Steve? Fire away. Here we go. Performing on the 2020 80s cruise are, and I quote, the B-52s, Brett Michaels, Berlin, Loverboy, Grandmaster Flash, Tony Hadley of Spandau Ballet, Tony Lewis of the Outfield, Patty Smythe and Scandal, Lita Ford, Asia featuring John Payne, Midnight Star, The Jets, The Motels, Big Country, Katrina from Katrina and the Waves, Annabella from Bow Wow Wow, Dire Straits Legacy, and 
everyone's favorite tribute band, Jesse's Girl. Uh, you know what's really fun is when you watch that documentary about WLIR, mm-hmm. about three quarters of the bands that have played on the 80s cruise over the first four years are featured in that documentary. So you see oh, that's Tom so cool. Bailey and Howard Jones talking about Larry the Duck and talking about WLIR. You see, I'm trying to think if Berlin is in there. I don't know if they were or not. But literally, it, if they released the soundtrack to Dare to be Different, it would be worth buying. It, it is one of those DVDs, I'm telling you, it's worth your time and money to, to check out. With Larry on the cruise, Mark Goodman, Nina Blackwood, Alan Hunter, also Laurie Majewski, the, the host of Volume and the author of Mad World. And most important, if you have never been on the 80s cruise before, if you book using the promo code STUCK, you get $200 cabin credit. But don't wait because there's only one cabin category left, and there's not many cabins left in that category. So go to www.the80scruise.com. Don't forget the promo code STUCK. If you are a previous cruiser on the 80s cruise, please still drop our names. Please still say, you know, hey, Steve and Brad tortured me relentlessly with promos for the cruise until we finally booked. Because um, I think we get like a cupcake on our last day or something like that, maybe. I don't know. Mm. I like cupcakes. So I'm, so I'm just kind of like projecting. <laughs> but in the meantime, uh, until we get our chance to talk to Lori, until we get a chance to come back next week with another fine episode of Stuck in the 80s, Brad and I will remain here with Larry the Duck, hopelessly stuck in the 80s. Stuck in the 80s is a member of the CLNS Media Network. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for our theme music. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or the CLNS Media mobile app.